joining me today is a Sudanese activist, Marine Anil. You know, you have been involved in the recent Sudan protests and you have not only, you know, shared your perspective, um, but you have also lended your voice to the bigger issues, you know, surrounding Sudan's ongoing protests, the shift in government, as well as what the future holds for Sudan. So I think what happened with uh, Bashir's regime is that um, they, w after the coup in 89, uh, they were able to just pillage <laughs> the country for years right. uh, and, and, you know, cause or, and then lead all of these uh, civil wars and, and active conflicts within, bring a lot of weapons and uh, arm many groups uh, and also not even work against um, our, the arming of groups that have uh, been working against them, right? Mm. Because it, it was just, <laughs> it, was, it was chaos. Right, exactly. Was, unfortunately, yes. Um, and then uh, it was getting out of control and starting to uh, you know, attract uh, global or international attention mm -hmm. where this, this dictatorship was no longer serving anyone. And it had, um, it looked like it, it, it will not last for much longer, right? And then, um, fortunately for Bashir's regime, not so fortunately for the citizens of Sudan, mm -hmm. um, the oil came into uh, the, the, the equation, right? right. Uh, and that helped them uh, continue for uh, much longer after that, right? It wasn't expected that they will be able to sustain themselves for much longer, but uh, that's what the oil did. It helped them uh, gain support from within Sudan and also from other governments in, in the region and internationally as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, they, they were well aware that this is how we can, uh, ensure your place, ensure your, 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 the power remains with you uh, if you have a hold over the resources. And uh, I mean, it's arguable, but I think all the, the, the conflicts that have occurred in Sudan during the Shia regime or even before that are um, essentially over resources. Hmm. Uh, Khartoum, the capital city, is, is leeching off the rest of the country to have many resources, uh, whether we're talking about uh, mineral resources or right. oil or agricultural resources, all of that is found outside of Khartoum. However, most of the development and the infrastructure by far is only found in Khartoum. Mm. Um, so for this city, <laughs> this leech of a city to sustain itself, it needs to continue being um, unfair to the rest of the country. Right. And, and I, I think that's the conversation that has not yet started, at least on a national level, that um, what is the benefit that Khartoum is bringing for the rest of the country? And how can everyone, um, you know, be, uh, benefit from the resources in a fair and equal way? And what, well, what will that look for Khartoum and Khartoum residents? Um, currently, we have uh, in Khartoum you know, 
major uh, it draws people from everywhere from around the country right. uh, job opportunities services and all of that um, so what will it look like to have an actual genuine fair distribution uh, of mm. resources here in Sudan hmm. what the change it will it will have on Kapsul. that's that's a question that has not yet gained the attention it genuine it actually needs and and why do you think it hasn't like you said before it hasn't been addressed on a national level like wh- why why is it why is it not being addressed as quickly as it should i think um it's about who owns and who has access hmm. to media platforms to uh, access to the government, access to power, access to, or even just simply access to internet, right? right who has access right. to internet. Uh, they're the same people who actually will not benefit from this change. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is us, the people who are here in Khartoum, who are benefiting from the fact that we get uh, electricity subsidies, although most of the country doesn't even have access to the grid, right? Wow. We benefit from, uh, uh, the fuel subsidies as they are or as they were now they've changed but we benefit from um, the services being concentrated in Khartoum we have hospitals we have schools mm-hmm. we have roads they're not the best they're by far not the best <laughs> right, but, right right yeah but they're there so uh, we, there's no incentive for us to hmm. go out to the street and say it's not fair that we have all of this and no one else has anything else right, right. so it's 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 unrealistic to expect such demands to come from Khartoum, to come from the privileged, to come from the middle class, mm. to come from the educated. Um, so at least if we are not making those demands ourselves, the very least we could do is to uh, lend these platforms, this access that we have right. to those who have these demands. Mm. Uh, but. Yeah, easier said than done. It's, it's, this yeah, is a, right. a, a long process uh, <laughs> that uh, is not just straightforward. Yes. Hmm. Last year you were interviewed um, and you had said that you remain optimistic about the military negotiations that were taking place last year. What were some of the military negotiations that have been in discussion thus far? And you know, do you still remain optimistic about them? Did I, did I did I say I was optimistic? <laughs> well, I <laughs> mean, I, like I, a... I, maybe. I well, I watched. I did watch it. I, I yeah, yes. yeah. It <laughs> seems like a, a different life in a parallel universe where I'm optimistic about negotiations with the military. Well, um, <laughs> needless to say, I'm no longer optimistic about anything that involves the military. To right. Be honest. We have a saying, and I think it comes from a, from a poem. Uh, that never give your back to a military person. Mm. Right? They, they will not, they, they will betray you. Um, and uh, this is what's happening now. I think uh, with every day, we, the people in Sudan are realizing that the negotiations uh, were more of a, of a, a subtle coup, mm. a subtle military coup. Um, because as I said, we still don't have a legislative council. So right. is this really a democratic gov- government or are we even moving towards that? Mm. Um, with every uh, convention, 
that the military signs, or I mean the transitional, excuse me, the transitional government signs or, or agreement that they sign, the, the transitional period is extended. Right. Um, and for no clear reasons. It, it's, it's not inherently a bad thing, but what is it are we trying to achieve? in a longer transitional period, that's the question. Um, there are also other things. Recently, uh, a new um, council has been formed, it's called the Partners Council, okay. after the peace, uh, the recent peace agreement. Mm -hmm. And it includes many people from uh, the military, it includes uh, some from the uh, civilian aspect of the transitional government, right. and it includes also uh, representatives of uh, armed struggle groups, right? Mm. And um, it just seems like every step that tra the transitional government is taking is moving further and further away from the people mm. and uh, closer to the military. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not optimistic about that part, the military. There are still some parts that I am optimistic about. Uh, yeah. I think um the the um, the grassroots groups the the that um drive that mm -hmm. has come with the uh revolution uh despite the economic situation despite the lack of inclusion and transparency from the transitional government it has not gone away uh there's still a, a, a great motivation for for change that is genuinely bottom up mm. And that might not lead to uh, immediate results. It might not lead to uh, immediate um, change on a mass scale, but it puts, it, it, it plants the seeds for something that will grow in the future. There's something interesting that you said when, you know, the, the, you feel like you feel as though the government is, is the military government is moving more away, like away from, the voice of the people and more towards a military um like more towards its own military can you just uh, maybe you touched on this earlier but just uh, what's the evidence that 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 leads you to believe that this is the way it's it's going mm -hmm. if there was i think if there was a genuine political will uh for inclusion of the people we would have seen more effort being put towards a legislative council would have seen more effort being put towards, you know, preparing for this uh, government that, that, I mean, sorry, the elections that are supposed mm. to take place in a few years, right? right. Where's the infrastructure for that? Where's the, the real on the ground peace, not peace agreements, real on the ground peace, you know, um, addressing uh, places where you still have active, uh, at, le at least you have a, a widespread of weapons. Mm. So how, how do you believe that people will be able to elect anyone when there's, it's still not safe for them to leave their house, right? Mm. Um, whereas the real inclusion of uh, demand-based groups like the internet-based persons, if they are not settled in time for the elections, then will they just be excluded from the democratic uh, process or how is that supposed to be addressed? Um, also, the focus is still uh, mainly on Khartoum, and you know, an election will not be an election in Khartoum only, right? right. So, if if there's a genuine uh, will to conduct 
a democratic process in a few years, then why isn't, isn't there any focus or attention being paid outside Khartoum uh, when it comes to development, when it comes to infrastructure, healthcare, education, mm-hmm. or just um, encouraging um, production, uh, encouraging mm-hmm. uh, and, and facilitating people's livelihood, giving them options in, in their places where they would like to stay, not mm-hmm. come to Khartoum uh, because they are forced to, because there are no other options. Um, so I think the government is moving away from the people by not doing any of that. And, and people are well aware that the actions of the, of the government currently does not um, align with a government that genuinely uh, is looking for a democratic transition in a few years. Hmm. What, what do you think is the, the current progress right now in this current, in the, in, you know, we're towards the end of the year, we're like almost at the end of the year. What do you think mm-hmm. is the current progress right now that, that the military government has made? They seem to be networking amongst themselves pretty well, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, good alliances and relationships are being built between the transitional government. Uh, I'm, I'm referring specifically to this, the civilians within the government, so mm-hmm. the cabinet and the civilian side of the sovereign council, also the military side of the sovereign council, the armed struggle groups. Uh, they seem to be <laughs> forming good relations amongst themselves and just forgetting about the rest of us over here. Right. <laughs> Um, so I want to I want to go back to last year, the protests that were taking place last year. It was it was, uh, you know, you were involved in it as well. And it was also a huge, um, a huge moment for women in particular who have who historically have not been given this platform to to speak out or let alone protest, go to these protests. Um, so, you know, as an activist, as a woman, what what do you think stood out for you? during this during this political unrest and during this time i think it's just the courage of the women who were involved in uh, you know this street-based activism just going out to to protests um although uh, like many of them struggled to just leave the house right uh because uh you know the, i mean thankfully the protests were usually scheduled for 1 p.m Mm-hmm. And that meant that a lot of women and young women were able to join, but they need to be home before dark right. so that they right. don't get in trouble. So it's just, it's, it's really touching to see that, you know, these are the only few hours that you have for yourself a day mm-hmm. and you still choose uh, to invest them in this. Uh, so you just feel grateful that there are so many young women who are mm-hmm. uh, doing something that they might not see the benefits of but they know that this is something that at least if it doesn't benefit them, it will benefit other people who come mm-hmm. after them. Like you said, you know, women are uh, uh, taking the time to protest and they're taking the time out of their day to, to make sure their voices are heard. And you'd also said, you know, in a previous interview that, that we shouldn't go back um, to the fallen regime, you know, when it, when it comes to everyone having a voice. Uh, I just want to clarify, you know, what you meant by, by the fallen regime. Like, what, what, what is that referring to? I, I think it would be, even if, even if, it's, if there's good work that's being put towards 
changing the structural changes within the government, within the cabinet, within ministries. Mm -hmm. If we're if we're not addressing these issues of discrimination, these issues that are ethnically based, these issues that are racially based, then right. um, I, I don't think it, it can be sustainable. Whatever change we're able to to push forward mm. without that being addressed. Uh, what were and a follow up as well? What were some of the the setbacks that held women back from protesting and not being able to share their their voice? What so during the the protest and the revolution, and even during the sit-in, you know, women were fighting two authorities. Uh, mm-hmm. Men were fighting the the defunct regime, right. uh, while women were fighting the authority of the regime, but also the patriarchy that is facing them everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So just issues of leaving the house whenever they want or issues of, you know, being um, held back by other social obligations like taking care of kids or right. uh, other household chores and uh, tasks. And um, that's why I'm saying it's impressive because uh, I, I think there was even uh, actually more women involved, mm. although they had more obstacles to overcome. I think also there's a, a factor that they had more to gain hmm. right uh the current situation uh the, the the previous regime was uh you know harming w- women more than 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 men in a lot of places um like for example if we talk about the public order police mm-hmm. something that was created by the previous regime um they were um actively and viciously trying to um working against um, certain uh, professions, for example, tea ladies. Right. And tea ladies are very common in Khartoum and even outside in, in other cities. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, common way for, for uh, women who have not had the privilege of being formally educated. Mm. That's where they turn. They, you become a tea lady. It's something that takes a small investment to start. Um, and also... Uh, Home homemakers of, of uh, alcoholic uh, beverages were also strongly uh, fought by the public order police and other um, professions in the informal sector. And most women are in the informal sector, right? Oh, wow. um, so I think uh, w- women, because they had more to gain, if there was to be a change of regime, that that's one factor why they had more urge Hmm. to to fight it although they had more obstacles to fight so i want to go back to bashir for a second because you know he he was uh, he had stepped down in 2019 as well and he is now imprisoned and charged um for murder um but some say this is not enough this is not sufficient because the charges are not whatever he had done um to the sudanese people it's it's not enough compared to what he's charged with with um, why wouldn't it be enough? That brings me back to what I was saying earlier about how difficult it is to address uh, this topic of transitional justice in Sudan mm-hmm. uh, during the transitional period where we're currently living through. Because um, I definitely agree with the voices that are saying, you know, charging him for the 89 coup is not enough. And the trial before that, he was being charged for these... Um, I'm not sure financial uh, issues where he had foreign currency at home, which is offensive to say the least. Right. <laughs> this is the, the 
you know, a, a dictator of 30 years being charged for hoarding foreign currency is right. uh, ridiculous. Uh, so yes, I definitely agree that this is not enough uh, or this is not satisfactory for the people, right? It, but I also have trouble trying to envision what could be enough. I mean, what could be enough for 30 years of murder, pillage, and mm. genocide, and discrimination, and corruption. And also, it's, it's not just what he has actively done, but what he's allowed to occur in the country, mm. right? Because these are the things that he was personally involved in, but also um, just the lack of what, what, what happened because of lack of development in certain regions, right? Because right. some people died due to the wars, but others died due to lack of healthcare. Right, exactly. um, or a lack of roads that can that they can use to get to the nearest hospital or other services that are mm -hmm. essential for their life or livelihood. Uh, so I'm not sure what could be enough for these 30 years and, and all the injustices that have occurred during the 30 years. Uh, but I think a good starting point is um, national inclusion because. Um, if we don't hear the voices of all these, all these people who are saying this is not enough, something else needs to happen, then the transitional government will never know what is enough, what could be enough, what right. can't be done, right? Uh, because we, we've seen in, in other countries models of like alternative transitional justice, like that is not just about making sure that everyone is uh, facing the repercussions of everything they've done, right? If mm -hmm. we compare, like, if we look at Rwanda, for example, uh, because that wasn't feasible to, uh, you know, pursue uh, justice for everyone. Right. Uh, they want an alternative route, right? So I think we, we might be able to find an alternative route, uh, but for that to happen, we, we need to have an ex, a, a, a discussion, a conversation on a national level where all the stakeholders are involved, uh, where we look at the options that are available, realistic and feasible, and also you know, they don't leave anyone behind, but also uh, get us to a point where we can start moving forward in a, also a satisfactory time period, right? Right. Um, but yes, I, th I think at the root of all the issues that I, at least personally, I have with the current transitional government is lack of inclusion. You, you can't be doing all of this by yourself. I mean, that's, isn't that basically the reason Bashir was ousted? He was a dictator, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you come and again, you're excluding everyone from whatever it is that you're doing, even if it's good, it doesn't matter. It, inclusion is important. You know, I, I feel like right now with the protesters and with the people of Sudan, you know, they're faced with, I think they're, they're faced with two things, you know, the, the promise of democracy and unification of their country. But then, you know, on the other hand, they're faced with this political um, battle of leadership, like military government leadership. Um, as an activist who has been involved as long as you have, uh, is there a middle ground to achieve? If you could elaborate a bit on that question. So from, you know, protesting and, and mm -hmm. you know, lending your voice, but then there's also this, this military leadership on one side because they're caught mm -hmm. between two 
parallels i think and how how can we how can we combine those to mm. to allow us to move forward if that does that make mm-hmm. sense a little bit more yes i understand you i think and i think that's also the reason why i had trouble understanding the question is because i don't see that happening i don't see okay. that there's a way for a middle ground uh that is genuine to the people and at the same time that is kind of a pacifist towards a military government okay um, but that brings the question right of so how can we move forward mm. if, if there there can be no negotiations or no compromises with the current military government uh, and my answer to that would be that Fortunately and also unfortunately, there are always people who are willing to negotiate and compromise. Mm-hmm. So I think, okay, that's fine. They, they, they can negotiate and compromise. And for the rest of us, we'll continue, you know, standing our ground that this is not an acceptable situation and that the same powers that have terrorized and killed people for years cannot be the ones that bring them justice and peace. What do you think still needs to change going forward in your in your opinion yeah. in your <laughs> I know it might be a lot you know narrow it down what mm-hmm. what would you say needs to change still needs to change you know uh my current uh, facebook profile picture is one of me in a, in a recent uh, protest holding a sign that says why has nothing changed yet <laughs> and I'll, i'm going to keep that <laughs> as right. my 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 profile picture until something at least one thing changes genuinely so a lot needs to change but first and foremost we need channels for um inclusion and communication Mm -hmm. so i think uh, first and foremost what needs to change is we need channels for inclusion for communication for transparency Mm-hmm. between the transitional government and the people. Uh, I don't want to say specifically the Legislative Council, uh, because actually there are, uh, the Legislative Council, even once established, will probably have many issues of its own. Right. Uh, so I think it would be important to work on many fronts that provide channels for this back and forth communication. Uh, I just want to thank you, Maureen, for your time. Um, I really appreciate us talking today, and I've, I've certainly learned a lot. Um, thank you, Marissa. And, and I really appreciate your time, taking the time today and, and speaking with me today. Thank you.